0: Hello everyone, Carter here, bringing you another episode of Out of the Hourglass, presented by Nolan Consulting Group, a podcast dedicated to helping small business owners and contractors visualize their goals, develop their teams, and build sustainable growth so that business operations don't run solely through them. We want to get business owners out of the hourglass. This episode is the final installment in our SL2 Experience series, finally discussing the highly sought after D4 and S4 level. Colin and Molly team up to talk about how to tell if someone has reached D4 in a particular area, how to keep them there, and effective ways of restoring their D4 status if they happen to drop into D3. As always, we recommend that you scroll back and listen to our previous episodes in the series to catch up if you have not already. Thanks for listening, and as always, don't forget to rate and subscribe. Enjoy the show!
1: All right. Thanks, Carter. So I'm back with Colin Nolan for our final session on the SL2 Experience Series. Colin, thanks for joining us for another conversation and helping us wrap up the series.
2: You're you're welcome. it would be my last podcast ever. There's nothing else for me to talk about now you once are, SL2 is you over. Are,
1: my friend, you are not off the hook. We need to find another content area SL2. to get you to speak to. Or more SL2 in the future. Uh, but it's been a little, bit, a little bit of a while since we last connected. Our, our D3S3 podcast came out in October. Uh, it's now end of November because we've had a busy uh, couple weeks of content. So how are you before we get started?
2: Great. You know, Halloween's happened. It was a, it's one of my favorite holidays. Is it? A ton of fun. Uh, Did we, you dress up? We constructed, yeah, it was Dwight Schrute. Um Classic. And it's it's one of those outfits where you buy it and you can re- reuse it every four or five years. Which is what Halloween. I'm assuming that you do. Right, exactly. And uh, Kevin built a candy chute from his stoop to shoot it down into kids' uh, baskets. So Clever. it was just a fantastic evening, fantastic holiday.
1: People have adapted. Halloween still happened exactly. in a very strange time. Um, well, good. I'm glad that you had a great Halloween Thank Colin. you. Uh, So we've been recording this particular series for several months now. It's hard to believe we started this in June uh, with kind of a recap of what the SL2 experience was. We talked about SMART goals, and then we've hit, you know, the continuance of the development and leadership styles, the the D1, the D2, the D3, and now the D4. Um, And that's where we're going to wrap it up today, which I'm a little bit sad about. This has been fun.
2: Yeah, so D four is uh, it's the one that people pay the least attention to, um, and for, for I mean it's, it makes sense why, but we'll we'll get into it. It's it's kind of the ugly stepchild. Yet it's what you want everyone to get to, right? In terms of their development level, but no one talks about it.
1: Absolutely, and we hope that um, our listeners have also enjoyed the series um, as they've. Uh, you know, listened through each, each podcast. And especially from the SMART goals, that's what I think has impacted me the most when I think about my day-to-day uh, life and goals and what drives me. Uh, but I also think the no-show-do review format of this particular series has helped kind of apply how we think about those different stages and different levels of leadership Um, a quick reminder what smart goals mean i'll take this away con as a as the, the student please do s being specific the m being motivating the a being attainable r for relevance and t trackable so if a goal that you set for yourself doesn't kind of hit each of those marks then you're not quite creating a smart goal uh a goal should have those metrics around it so that you know what you're achieving in the time frame. Uh, is it something that you're motivated by uh, to make it really kind of hit home? Uh, in regards to the D1, the D2, and the D3, we're not going to cover those today at, for, you know, typically we do a little bit of a refresh, um, but we really want to encourage our listeners to go back and listen to those particular episodes. So if you're jumping in here for the first time, hold steady. Go back, listen to, the, and get the foundation of what this series is all about, um, and then re, uh, revisit with us. Uh, so we've got the D1, the enthusiastic learner. Mm-hmm. The D2, the dis- disillusioned learner. And the D3, the competence barrier. What is D4?
2: D4 is the accomplished expert. Wow. So this, How do I become that? This is the holy grail, right, of, mm-hmm. of development. It's where, where you want everyone to get to. Um, When we talk about developing people, we talk about it in terms of their competence and commitment, right? Their competence being goal or task specific and then transferable skills. Um, Commitment, we talk about in terms of motivation and confidence. So a D4 is high in both of those, both competence and commitment. So they are fully competent. They know what, what they're doing. They've done this goal or task before. They're experienced in it. They could teach somebody else how to do it. Okay. Um, they are where you want others to get to. They're the example, right? When someone's a D1 and they're saying, and there's, you know, disagreement on development level where they're going, I'm a D4. And you're going, well, actually, I think you're a D1, right? These are the people that we're talking about. These D4s are who you point to and go, that's a D4. That's how I know you're not a D4. It's because it. if you were a D4, you'd be doing things like so-and-so. Right? So this, they are the example. Uh, So that's the competence side. The commitment side, so the motivation and the confidence, both of those are high. They are fully motivated and engaged in what they're doing. They enjoy what what they're doing. Uh, It brings them energy, right? They they like it. It gets them up in the morning, and then they're confident. So they they know they can do it, right? There's no second-guessing themselves. Whereas a D3 and a D4 are both competent. Mm Mm-hmm. The difference between a D3 and a D4 is when a D4 makes a mistake, they don't second-guess themselves, right? Because they, they know they can do it. They have the confidence in themselves. So they go, all right, that's a mistake. It happens. I know I'm still a D4 at this. Okay. Whereas that might shatter a D3's world, right? So yeah. that's the difference. It's, it's almost taking th-
1: mistakes personally.
2: Sure. It's, it's, it's um, making, making mountains out of molehills. That's what a D3 does. Um, so it's almost as if a D4 has on a bulletproof vest where they can make mistakes, it's not going to affect their engagement or their confidence level.
1: So essentially they're masters of their craft, and they know that they are. Um, Could there be a negative to that? Someone who who thinks, one, who, yes, a master of their craft, um, knows it. Uh, I can imagine that there could potentially be someone who things very high and mighty of themselves in a position like this yeah so you i mean across that
2: so now we're getting out of the the realm of sl2 and into just general people you know different kinds of people you know Mm -hmm. there are some people who have big egos right so when you have a d4 with a big ego they're gonna let everybody know they're a d4 right but they're still a d4 right now are they the right culture you want in the company it's may, maybe whole not other situation. a different, different situation. Got it. Right?
1: That makes sense. Um, does someone stay once they've mastered their task and they have the confidence behind it? Does someone stay in the D four level for forever?
2: Right. So I as think we, we hit on this a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we talked about this before. in, in D three, right? How you can come to D three from two different ways: mm-hmm. from D two or from D four. So you can get to D four, but after a period of time, your commitment can begin to wane you might no longer be motivated by the goal or task so if you've been doing a specific role in a company for 10 years maybe in years one through nine it was still exciting but i've been doing this for 10 years now i'm a little a little bored of this it's no, no longer you know brings me energy the idea of getting up and doing this every day i mm-hmm. want something new right so they may fall back to a d3 So that D3 is someone who's fully competent. They're confident, right? They know that they can do it. They just don't want to. It's the motivation that's lacking.
1: And yet they're no longer engaged. What they do each day doesn't excite them anymore.
2: Right. So just because somebody gets to a D4 doesn't mean that they always stay a D4. So describing a D4 is pretty, pretty simple, right? It it doesn't take too long. Um, Leading a D4, that's a much... That's, that can be a longer conversation around how do you keep people there? That's the real conversation around a D4. Mm. So people people listening to this right now, I want them to think about someone who's a D4 at something in their company. And it's not going to be that easy because you don't think about these people often. They don't take up much of your brain space. Why? Because they don't bring you problems. use mm. Business owners spend their time on Solving problems and achieving goals, right? And D4 players, they're, they're not causing a ruckus typically. So they're not getting the brain space of their leaders, which is a problem.
1: I was going to say, but isn't that the wrong way of going about it? Don't we argue against right.
2: that? So that's, that's the whole thing about when you when you lead a D4. Um, the biggest mistake that you can make, well, there's a couple of big mistakes, I shouldn't say the biggest, but um, being too hands-off, is a major mistake with a d4 thinking that once they're they're great they're happy they're fine right like i'll, I'll get on some coaching calls and i'll ask about you know how so-and-so doing in, in your company and they'll kind of just wave me off like they're, they're doing great they're doing fine like well clearly you're not putting too much brain brain space you're know, giving a lot of brain space to them because you think they're fine right we're not engaging with them we're not we're assuming that they're always going to be fine Right? As opposed to knowing, yep, had a one on one with them the other day, they're, they're still doing great. That's a better conversation.
1: This is really fitting because, uh, and you, this will kind of bring up a memory that we just spoke about this. Um, as a team, we just reread the book, First Break All the Rules, mm-hmm. uh, by Marcus Buckingham and Kurt Kaufman. And one of the takeaways we had from that that triggered a reminder for many of us is there was a line in there, and it was um, from your top leaders, generally the thought is, no news is good news, Mm -hmm. but actually no news is bad news because if you're staying kind of, if you're not on the radar or not checking in with your top leaders, they can get into habits that create, that are uh, creating behaviors that aren't necessarily what you want them to be practicing. But if you're not checking in on that, checking in on those behaviors or touching base with them. Uh, the chance of that happening is greater. So it's flipping that that switch of where you think that we should be spending most of our time on the weakest players and helping them. The thought is actually, no, spend time on your strongest.
2: Sure, absolutely. I mean, D4s still require your, your time. Um, the, I mean, the, the amount of, when people have D4s, the times that they do spend with them are typically when the D4 makes a mistake. And the issue that leaders typically have is they made a mistake, they forgot how to do this, I need to jump in and redirect them again, right? So D4s make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. Right, it's like we talked about before, that when the D3 makes a mistake, they crumble from confidence standpoint. D4s don't, but they still make mistakes, right? So what, in terms of do's and don'ts when it comes to leading a, a D4, mm-hmm. when they make a mistake, stay hands off, right?
1: Because the thought is they know how to solve it.
2: Correct. They know how to solve it. Um, but
1: be aware that it happened.
2: Sure. And if, if, if you need to just circle back and go, hey, so, you know, this happened, just want to make sure you're taking care of it, right? So that's, that's, a, that's a check-in. That's not giving any direction, right? Right. It's okay to check in. Um, the worst thing you could do is to go, what, what the heck happened here? What are you going to do about it? Right? Or Challenge- why did you?
1: You're challenging them on it.
2: Sure. I mean, the best thing you could do would be, you know, I'm sure you got it. Just l- let me know if you need anything kind of conversation
1: which it can imagine for some leaders can be difficult to be able to just to, to remain hands off when they know something has gone awry and to just remain in that check-in status um, level uh, but it's the right the right way to operate
2: that's so that can so jumping in and and um, using s1 leadership with d4s when they make a mistake can cause them to revert back to a d3 because mm. like why am i doing this for this person this person won't give me the space to operate now i'm no longer motivated to they no
1: longer trust me
2: sure yeah that's that's a big one they not they don't respect my abilities sure and they fall back to d3 nobody quits your company at d4 you obviously it goes without saying you wouldn't fire a d4 right unless they did something hr related mm-hmm. right but in terms of from a competent standpoint You're never going to fire a D4 and they're never going to quit. Why wouldn't they quit? Because someone who is confident and motivated around what they're doing isn't going to leave, right? So if you've ever had a D4 that you can think to yourself and go, they were a D4 at all of these tasks, yet they still left my my company. They at some point fell back to D3 without you catching it, Mm. right? So the... A really great example, and th- th- this works for, for for a lot of trades who, um, where the you know the the ease of entry into the market isn't, isn't that difficult, where one of their top crew leaders or top project managers leaves the company to start their own company, right? And you're going, he was he was my best guy. It makes sense he would want to go off on his own, right? But at one point he was motivated and engaged with you, but you stop being able to. Tie him to the company's vision to give him something to look up to, to keep him hungry within the company. He well, went on. He went on autopilot at some point. Now, what's the counterpoint to that is? Well, I mean, some people just want to own their own company. Sure, but we can know that and still work with someone. All right, so five years down the road, you're going to want to leave and start your own company somewhere. That that's great. Let's help each other out on the path towards that. Right. So, now if you're going to, you don't want to help start a competitor. But if it's obviously, if, it, if you can create some sort of symbiotic relationship, mm-hmm. that's the best case scenario. So this is my way of wrapping into how do you lead d fours, what's the best, what are the best tools? Structured opportunities to give feedback and check in. IDPs, Someone who's at a d four doesn't mean they're done developing. They need opportunities to take on more responsibilities. More tasks. You need to engage them in their vision. Where do they want to be in three years? You cannot assume someone's complacent just because they seem engaged and they're good at what, what they're doing.
1: And you don't want to. And like, there's no that concept of like of tapping out or maybe it's topping topping out.
2: Sure. Yeah. They've they've hit. Uh, ceiling for what yeah, they accomplished you, in the company.
1: There's always more that you can do. Um, so it, it, you're right. It does, it, it's up to the business owner or the management team above to help that person then take on and see what the, that new vision is or what the new tasks that they are in D1 in to help them elevate their career even further. Right. You're never fully a D4 in every part of your life, and you're never going to be a D4. You basically have to revert back to your D1 as you learn more tasks to be basically grow your career
0: hmm
2: sure
1: it's like a little cycle
2: right I mean and, and what's the the counterpoint to, to having a one-on-one with somebody is well, what I don't want to inspire them to leave my company so then we're just gonna hope and pray that they stay and that they ha- are happy forever that's the alternative right no so you need to constantly engage with your people especially your d4s to make sure that they're engaged to make sure that you're giving them the opportunities to advance that they deserve and probably want Um, So keys to managing a D4, to leading a D4, keep on the praise, right? People are going to continue to be motivated and engaged if they feel appreciated, right? So tons of praise. Giving opportunities to take on more responsibilities and tasks. uh, Conduct IDPs with them. Force structured feedback and one-on-one time, right? Mm Check-ins, right? These are all things you need to be doing with your D4s to keep them engaged and stop them from falling back too a d three the goal here is maintenance almost it's maintenance and then challenging almost right. How can I keep you here at this role or push you to excel into a different one?
1: I would add one more to that. I would call it maintenance communication and challenges or challenging
2: sure maintenance communication and challenging right so so you you communication is how you do it for sure right yeah
1: so let's talk um, kind of real world for you for i um how we it's generally how we take these theoretical concepts and then kind of wrap it into our own selves yeah. um the the examples you know as we look to you here as the teacher have been kind of carrying through our your practice of the triathlons or the ironmans and then your disc profiling assessments sure. um, do you believe you are a d4 in those particular tasks now
2: um i do uh you know particularly with the triathlon example, you know, that's why physical competition is so great, especially endurance levels, because there's always a next step up. Right. So the, what
1: comes after the, the Ironman?
2: Well, it's, it's, it's getting better at the Ironman mm. basically. And then there's obviously ultras and things like that. Um, so the, the, the original example was when I was, when I was I, we said triathlon, but I was thinking the Olympic distance, right? right? So I eventually got to a D4 there and it became somewhat routine. So then the, the next step was challenging, stepping up to a half Ironman. And then from there, stepping up to a full Ironman. I mean, I remember we were, it was the morning of my first half Ironman and talking with my, my friend who was doing it with me and going, can you imagine what we're about to do? People do twice. They do this this distance times two. It's literally and it was insane. Un, it was unfathomable <laughs> to us at the time. because we, we were sitting there going, we're about to go through f- five hours of five yeah. plus of endurance, uh, pain, the pain, right. And so people do twice this, I couldn't fathom it. And then you train and you get the the direction and the support that you need and you eventually can, can, can take on the additional, uh, goals and tasks. So that would be my triathlon example. Um, for, for the disc, you know, there's the, the company we work with TTI, they're always coming out with new whistles and tools with the disc. So, but that that's keeping me engaged and motivated Mm -hmm. in that sense you know they're changing the motivators to to driving forces which i don't i don't love as much but it still keeping me on my toes but you know that kind of factors into my overall coaching uh role where disc is kind of there it's in my repertoire now i'm moving on to other strengths and and skills when it comes to being a coach so it's kind of where i'm able to direct my, my my passions
1: so there are always barriers to be broken
2: Absolutely. There's always a next thing. Always a right? next
1: thing. Yeah, you think you're, think you're a master, then something else comes along, which is good. It, it keeps you on your toes. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we've, we've given the D4 a good, solid uh, focus here. Do you have anything that you'd like to quiz me on as your tutor through? Sure. Or I guess I'm not the tutor, you're the tutor. Yeah, on the, on the on the, yeah
2: there you go. So Molly, what are, the, what are some of the mistakes that a leader can make with a D4?
1: Uh, two mistakes could be, well, the first being completely hands-off,
2: mm-hmm.
1: not checking in at all, mm-hmm. just letting the, the, the no news is good news factor. Mm-hmm. Second mistake could be uh, overcompensating when there is an issue and creating almost a lack of trust that the D4 can no longer handle the, re- ha- the solution.
2: Absolutely. And so it's those, basically those it's like
1: the extremes. It's the ha- hands off, or all of a sudden the hands way too much. Right. Way too on.
2: It's it's either war, right? There's, yeah. People don't realize there's a happy medium there, right? Um, yeah, it's great. So, what are some tools and things that a S four leader should do and can use when leading a D four? What, what 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 would what what would you want them to do?
1: I would want there to be. Um,
2: does it? what is it? D four need? Yeah.
1: Scheduled check ins. Right. Maintenance. Um, kind of inclusion on the vision of the company, where the next step might be for that individual. Um,
2: some some brainstorming of what are some new roles responsibilities yeah. that we, we can give to you? Yeah.
1: You saw my. Th- I got nervous there You did get nervous second. there. I wasn't sure I knew that the answer. So there. the
2: on the tools end, it would be have them do an IDP, yeah. right? Be, be engage them. Engage their vision, right? Do you know what their vision is? Don't assume they'll be happy in a D4 as a crew leader, as a project manager forever.
0: Right? Which is
1: great because you know, for those who don't totally are not totally aware, the IDP is both an inclusion of their personal and professional goals. Correct. It is kind of where those two intersect. Because you need to be able to know the personal goals of an individual to kind of know their full professional world and where, where they aim to grow.
2: I've always thought about this with like... Um, journeyman craftsmen, right? People who don't really have a desire for leadership roles, um, but they, so they, stay so like a journeyman painter, for example, right? Or, you know, uh, the, uh, a driver on a paver who's like really great at their craft, has no desire to really move up into a, you know, a crew leader or a project management role. How do you keep them engaged and not falling back from a D4 to D3, right? And it's and I, I thought about this. I, I thought about writing a blog about this. It's through their please primary. Do, please do. It's it's through their primary aim, right? So mm-hmm. they no longer want to accomplish anything in terms of moving up in their professional life, but they likely have personal life goals still that they want to achieve, a way they want their life to look like. Right? That's a good point. So how can you engage them there and and help them to achieve their primary aim in their personal life? Um, so you know, you might think, I, I don't need, need to engage this person with an IDP. They, they've been a uh, they've been in this role for a decade, and they're, they're fine. They're not moving up, right? All right, well, how do we have we stop them from, from moving back into a D3 at some point? We engage them in their personal life. How can their continued success in this role feed into their overall happiness?
1: That's a really great perspective, the one that I don't think we've really focused in yet because we're always talking about the next career path and the right. constant growing of of uh, the next steps um, in your job and leadership but s- some people and it's completely all right are happy in their professional world where they are mm-hmm. but you know th- they still want that retirement they still want goals for their family or for their future their how their kids. You,
2: how can you help them retire by 62 right. with a certain amount in their 401k right how do we engage them in that um
1: i think it's very blog worthy <laughs>
2: We'll see. If, if you see a blog on this in the future, you, you guys will know where it started.
1: End of year, folks. By yeah. the end of the year, we'll have a blog on this topic. Um,
2: uh, where do people quit their job in? What development level?
1: Uh, D3? Or? D2. There you
2: go. That, oh, that, well,
1: we're doing the whole span now. That was, that was now. a little extra, extracurricular. Yeah. Wow.
2: Yeah, that's, that, that's pretty much uh, my, my questions. I think I think you got, got a good grasp.
1: I, and I, I would agree with you. I think, Colin, you've, you've led us through this series exceptionally well. Um, as an individual who did not know much about the SL2 experience, um, I do feel like I'm walking away having a better understanding of it, being able to apl- apply it in my own world, um, both professionally and personally. So um, I hope that our listeners also feel the same. You will definitely get a blog out on the uh, prior topic <laughs> that Colin spoke to. Colin, uh, any final words uh, before we wrap up the entire SL2 series for this for twenty twenty?
2: Yeah, my last word, and I always end my, my workshops that I do on this the same way. It's um, how do you take this and go from the theoretical uh, to the applicable in the real world, mm-hmm. right? And it's through the forced structure, right? Um, you can know and and answer questions right on. D1 through D4 all day long, but until you force it into your lexicon and your meetings, it's right. always going to stay on the periphery. Um, so, how can you incorporate it into your daily life through one-on-ones, through through an IDP? Uh, that 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 be the next step that I would challenge people to do.
1: And I would say introduce your team to it as well, so that the yeah. language that you're using, they understand. Sure. Um, and you're you're all kind of you know speaking the same language. Absolutely awesome call i think we will we will leave it there uh we look forward to hearing you back on the out of the hourglass podcast on a new uh topic
2: we'll be talking halloween uh costumes for 2021 that'll be my next podcast what's, what's hot and what's not for that year
1: i certainly hope that's not the case so any listeners out there should you have a, a topic you'd like colin to speak on please let us know we're uh, we're always taking requests know but we'll definitely get colin back on in uh the new year because he brings some great uh great advice great content and uh great expertise so colin thank you
2: thank you
0: thanks for listening to this episode out of the hourglass is recorded and produced by the team at nolan consulting group a nationwide business consulting firm with coaches located around the country Have a question, comment, or idea for future episodes? We'd like to hear from you. Visit our website, www.nolancg.com.